The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So this song goes goes very well with our last conversation and our next conversation. Just on the heels of our last conversation, Doug texted in and says two things. 95% of life longevity is based on genetics and we tiptoe through life to arrive at death's door safely. Yeah, I want to go flying in screaming with a glass of wine in my hand. Uh, forever, twi- forever 21. And so I, I want to talk to you. We want to have a conversation about how it is that you shop. Are, are you a big online shopper? Are you going to store still to brick-and-mortar stores? And it, So this stems from the news that Forever 21, that low-price fast fashion chain, is ceasing all operations in Canada. Uh, the L.A.-based company announced this past weekend that it has filed for bankruptcy in both the U.S. and Canada. So I wanted to kind of take a look at what, what that means uh, and what it says about consumers and fast fashion. And when you look at how many of us are doing our shopping online. What does that mean for the future of brick-and-mortar stores? Uh, joining me this afternoon is Craig Patterson. Craig is the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider and Director of Applied Research at the U of A School of Retailing. Hi, Craig. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that, um, you know, Forever 21, I don't have a whole lot of my uh, listeners who are spending a lot of time in that store, maybe their kids, maybe their grandkids, that sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to fast fashion, when we are trying to define fast fashion, Craig, what is that? Well, basically, it's inexpensive stuff that um, is very prevalent in stores that are often quite large and uh, may have be of uh, moderate quality <laughs> and may <laughs> also be inspired by, you know, the latest runway looks and uh, are kind of, you know, they basically made runway looks uh, ubiquitous. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's pumped out, um, you know, fast and kind of down and dirty. <laughs> I would say. You got it. And sometimes knocking off designers, and Forever 21 was sued a few times for that. Okay. So, you know, with the demise of companies like uh, Forever 21, and, you know, if you take a look at some of their court filings in, in Canada and the U.S., show that um, a lot, the vast majority of the company's Canadian stores were not profitable. Uh, in fact, the Canadian stores um, have collectively recorded yearly losses since 2014. How does that happen? I thought people wanted cheap and quick and, you know, the latest fashions. That's right, and some still do, but, uh, you know, they're going to Zara and, and H&M and, uh, well, Uniqlo is yeah. open at West Edmonton Mall on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so some people are still buying fast fashion, but there is certainly a movement away from that. Um, it has spoken to some of uh, the younger generation. I'm in my 40s now and uh, grew up with 630 Chet. <laughs> <And>, you know, <laughs> now... Uh, you know, there's a lot more of a social consciousness around, you know, where are clothes made, how are they made, and who are they made by. Mm, Okay, so it's interesting because, you know, fast fashion isn't just geared to, 
youngers, it's younger generations. It's not just geared to teens and twenty-year-olds. I would say that you know probably uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, that I buy at, at different stores, I, I'm not sure necessarily you know super would consider it super fast fashion, but it's you know it comes in. It's it's a it's a it's a cheaper price. It's maybe not as good quality as the other stuff. So do you see ever a time that we might break this? It's a good question. I've been thinking about that as well because, you know, fast fashion retailers over the past decades really came, you know, into popularity. And the question is, you know, as, you know, society evolves, will they remain popular? Um, you know, it does remain to be seen. Like I said, I think there is a movement a bit away from fast fashion, but there certainly still are people who are going out and buying this stuff. I mean, I'm wearing a Zara jacket right now, I think it was $50. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't even matter, you know, with with income points. I'm wearing a pair of Prada shoes. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it really depends. Yeah, it's it, that is it's an interesting one. Um, and and yeah, how, how do you? How do you tackle fashion and wanting to stay on top of it when the majority of us probably can't afford to pay, um, you know, top dollars for for Prada or for Louis Vuitton, that sort of stuff? We want the look, but we don't want to pay the price. I mean, that's why knockoffs are so popular whenever you travel somewhere. That's right. And, you know, given the cost of living, not even so much in Edmonton, you know, we're looking at the big cities like Vancouver and Toronto, where the cost of living is just astronomical in terms of real estate prices. You know, mm-hmm. there's very little money left over to do anything else. So, uh, you know, fast fashion, you know, particularly Zara, which I believe is the largest apparel retail in the world, you know, I think it's still going to go strong for, for the time being anyways. Uh, yeah. But again, though, that may change in decades to come. It remains to be seen. You know, it's. Uh, I was talking to my uh, my my oldest uh, stepson the other day. He lived in Tokyo for for five years, and we were talking about Uniqlo opening up. And um, he he looked at me. He says, "I don't think that there's a day that goes by to this day that I I still I still wear Uniqlo, and I probably have something on every day from that store." Um, wow! Yeah, yeah. You know, just uh, you know, it was popular in Tokyo, and he's he brought a whole bunch of it home with him, and he still and he still loves to wear it. Um, when you talk about so we we talk about fast fashion, when we talk about slow fashion. What is that? Yeah, slow fashion, and there's actually some local designers in Alberta that I've reached out to who are uh, involved in that. And it's it's very much about you know again you know ethically made products are they made in Canada or at least are they made you know by people who are getting paid reasonably well in safe conditions I mean we've heard lots of press about you know the abhorrent conditions and even in some cases deaths in some factories you know in Bangladesh which mm-hmm. you know were very very tragic um, again you know are the dyes and that means the coloring used say uh, you know not destroying the environment uh, and, and just items that might be you know either made locally or, you know, made by people who are paid, you know, well, uh, and, you know, made to last. I mean, that's that's another thing, you know, some may question, why would you buy something and wear it once or twice and, you know, throw it away or donate it when you can have something for years that actually lasts? And yeah. some stylists have said, you know, it's the, it's the price per wear. If you're going to wear something repeatedly, like a jacket, you know, it may actually be better to buy something a bit more expensive you'll wear for a long time often than something that's going to fall apart and you have to buy a new one all the time. Yeah, you know, um, the fashion business or the fashion industry, um, the clothes making, it's quite notoriously bad for the environment, isn't it? Definitely, yes. No, I mean, it's one of the biggest polluters. We've seen actual, like, water ecosystems in parts of Asia being destroyed simply by the coloring used, uh, you know, in various uh, clothing items. You know, denim has been one of the worst. I mean, it takes tons of water to, uh, you know... uh, 
make denim look distressed or, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, dye it and then distress. And obviously those companies, you know, like, say, Frank and Oak, which are using lasers to do it. I mean, there's innovation. But, you know, traditionally it's actually been a terrible polluter. Craig Patterson joining me this afternoon. Craig is the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider and director of applied research at the U of A uh, School of Retailing. So, um, yeah, the launching off point for this conversation, obviously the, the the bankruptcy of Forever 21. I've been reading more about online shopping and how uh, many of us are doing that now. And, and I'm wondering about how that is going to impact the industry moving forward. Um, Online shopping is kind of reaching across all generations. Apparently, millennials driving uh, a lot of it. You know, three and uh, three and five of their uh, millennials, three and five of their purchases are online. But you know, the baby boomers, the Gen uh, Xers, were you know we're doing it uh, a lot as well. Um, when you see how many people are turning to online shopping, what do you think that that says about the the brick and mortar stores and and, and what that means for their future? Again, that's a good question because still about 90% of retail sales are done in physical stores. So, mm-hmm. you know, e-commerce, it makes up about 10% of the retail okay. uh, industry in Canada. But e-commerce or online shopping is growing faster as a percentage year over year than physical retail by far, in fact. So, um, you know, we are buying more stuff online. But, however, you know, there's some studies coming out that are showing that Generation Z, which would be sort of, you know, the late teens to early 20s generation, they're actually starting to embrace physical retail and experiences. So we're seeing, you know, vinyl record stores, for example, you know, uh, Sunrise Records at West Edmonton Mall. It's actually can be quite busy in there, yeah. <laughs> which really surprised me, to be honest. I thought record stores were completely on the way out. But, um, you know, pen and paper, these are sort of things that are almost nostalgic. But mm-hmm. the younger generation, you know, they do want to go. They want to go to a restaurant. They want to have their photo taken on mm-hmm. Instagram. So, you know, retailers have to ask themselves, you know, if someone can buy something online, why are you going to get them into your store? You know, you've got to create something interesting and exciting. Some retailers are really good at it, like Simon's at West Edmonton Mall. What a cool store. But, um, you know, Payless Shoes, I don't think, was uh, by any means an experience that was, you know, overly <laughs> exciting. And I'd say probably Forever 21 would be in that same category. Uh, yeah, and the, the rise uh, as well in, in thrifting, uh, the number of people who are turning uh, to thrift stores um, to, to, to get their clothes, to get their fashion. I mean, that's, that's increasing in popularity as well. Huge. Um, I forget what the statistics were, but it was like many times, you know, there was a massive growth in thrifting. I mean, we've seen this whole Mary Kondo effect, you know, uh, get rid of things that don't spark joy. And, uh, you know, Lord knows people have bought a lot of things in Canada over the last decade, you know. So we're starting to see stores like, you know, Valley Village, uh, Salvation Army, Goodwill, they're getting a lot of donations. And people now are going in and buying, say, you know, designer items that may have cost hundreds of dollars new for, you know, five, ten, fifteen dollars yeah. uh, I even got an Armani shirt a couple of years ago to Valley Village with wow. the tag still on it. So I think it was like seven dollars and it would be four hundred and twenty five dollars at Harry Rosen. So, you know, there's a huge rise in that and also it's becoming much more socially acceptable. I mean, I think in you know, when I was younger it was looked at as something it was kind of looked down upon. You're like, Oh, you're wearing used clothing, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's not good and now it's like oh, wow, you have this amazing vintage piece that no one else has, you know, way to go. I mean, there's definitely, I think, a shift in consumer uh, perceptions for, you know, secondhand clothing. Was reading uh, today as well about some outlet malls uh, going online. Uh, some people just, okay, well, we might be shutting down, uh, you know, the store, but you can still uh, catch us online. Actually, the other day, I got a... a, a an ad on one of my feeds, I don't know, it was my Insta feed or my Facebook feed for, for Marks and Spencer. And I was like, Marks and Spencer? I mean, 
you know, you you have a website. I can buy stuff online. Like I didn't even realize that that was still that was still happening. What do you think that uh, shopping's going to look ten years from now? What's it going to look like? I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't think we're going to see the death of physical retail. I just think we're going to see it get a lot more interesting. I mean, those retailers that survive. So, you know, you're going to be able to walk into a store. Uh, you probably touch a mirror. Um, it'll suggest products. You might even not have to try them on. They'll kind of show you what you'll look like with them on. Um, you'll be able to pay for that stuff without having to wait in line like you would at a Zara store. <laughs> it can have terrible lineups in other stores as well. And, um, you know, overall, you know, I think the experience will be tailored. They'll say, you know, it's for means like, you know, hello, Mr. Patterson, welcome to the store. It might seem a bit creepy at first, but I think we'll be getting used to it. Um, you know, we suggest this, this item and, you know, very much personalized. So I think that we're going to see this merger of tech and physical retail. Um, also, if something isn't in stock, uh, you'll be able to order it online and it'll be delivered almost immediately. Um, I think actually the future is quite exciting for retail. And mm. I think that, you know, retailers that are going to survive this quote-unquote retail apocalypse, which I actually don't really think is the case, <laughs> at least not in Canada, um, you know, are really going to have to innovate. So, But it's going to take a lot of money, time and effort and ingenuity. And, you know, not everyone's going to be able to do it, unfortunately. Oh, gosh, Craig, you mentioned about, you know, standing in front of a mirror and having the clothes kind of try on, show you what it would look like. I love that idea. I love yeah, the too. idea of not actually having to physically try it on. You don't have to mess up your hair or anything. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was telling the story the other day about getting stuck in a dress. So <laughs> the ladies in the store had to help me get out of it in the change room. But yeah, I just I love the idea of it, and I hadn't I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought about how tech may have uh, an impact uh, on it moving forward. Yeah, that's that's going to be fascinating to watch. And I think there's going to be a blurring of the lines. I mean, right now we look at shopping online and in store differently, but I think you know. It, we're going to see a real, I think, almost like a merger of the two together. I mean, it's already happening where, mm. you know, like, you know, again, Simon's as an example. I mean, you can find pretty much everything uh, in the store online and you can order it online. You could be in the store. You could be in the store if they don't have something in your size, order it online. And this is something we're seeing more and more. And, you know, retailers that are going to be successful have to be able to give the consumer what they want and when they want it and how they want it. So, uh, you know, again, we're going to see this real blurring, I think, uh, you know, I, I talked to some retail futurists, as you call it, and they're saying in the next two to three years, we're going to see more change than we may have seen in the last 50 years in retail. So mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting and maybe a little bit scary. Well, <laughs> I look forward to having another conversation with you uh, down the line to see how this all unfolds. Craig, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Pat.